I, I had friends, but I didn't feel I fit in. And um, music brought me a lot of enjoyment. And then, um, you know, my mom knew of the church and the choir school and, you know, sort of thought, what the heck, let's give this a try. And, you know, I got in, William got in, and my mom sort of says that my life sort of began when I was nine years old. I, I was finally happy and in a place that I felt like I belonged. Welcome to the BMPC Summer Podcast Series, a limited podcast series from Bryn Mawr Presbyterian Church for the season when we cannot be together as a church, but we can still be the church together. I'm Rebecca Kirkpatrick, and today I'm joined by Edward Landon, our assistant music director, as we talk together about what it means for the church to be a place where children learn to love music and grow into their identity as musicians. And Edward shares stories from his time as a child singing with the St. Thomas Choir School in New York City. Edward, it's good to be with you today and have a little chat together on our podcast. Thanks for having me. Sure, of course. Now, Edward, you were already here when I started here at BMPC in 2015, but you had really only been here for about a year before I was here, right? Uh, yeah, I think I started in the fall of 2013. Oh, 2013. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So you were a seasoned uh a member of this church staff before I showed up here. I guess so. so yes. <laughs> um, how has the um, quarantine been for you being at home with two young children and um, trying to manage life uh, together as a family? It's been, you know, good and bad days, as many people have had, I'm sure. But um, it, t- it took about a week or two, and I just realized we didn't know when it was going to end. And I just wanted to try and enjoy as much of it as I could. And it's time with my kids, I'll never get back, you know? So um, yeah. it's, it's been a blessing in, in a weird way, but you know, I have done what I can uh, for the church from home and I'm eager to get back to it eventually, so. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciated so much the way you pulled um, some of the youth together for um, the um, Holy Week services from Monday Seems like Thursday. ages ago. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I Yes, it's hard to track time in these moments. Well, I, you know, there is a part of your um, life and growing up that is uh, fascinating to me. And I tell you that it's fascinating often. Um, and so I think others would find it especially fascinating. And so it's that you spent, um, I guess I'm not even sure how long you spent as a child, um, but as a part of the St. Thomas Choir School in New York City, right? Right. Yeah. I, um, I attended from fifth grade to eighth grade. Oh, wow. So you were older than I thought maybe you were. Is that the youngest that the boys in that choir are? Or the, are they the year that I started there, um, they had introduced the first fourth grade, and my younger brother was actually a part of that class. Okay. And then more recently, they've introduced a third grade. Wow. Um, so when I was there, though, everyone boarded. And now I believe that the third graders have to kind of be in the tri-state area, and they do not sing on Sundays. They just kind of go there for school during the week. And it's like an introductory year to see if it's a good fit, you know. Uh, okay. But when I was there, it was boarding or nothing. So, wow. So the tell me again, remind me what. So for the the choir, what is their sort of um, 
their role in the congregation and the, that community. And right. then we'll talk about how you got connected to them. Right. So um, the choir school recently in 2018 just celebrated its 100th anniversary. And wow. um, so it's been around for a long time. And the tradition comes from all of the cathedrals and um, churches in England that have similar programs. And um, the first choir director of St. Thomas was from England and um, sort of came and was brought here to start up that tradition in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, his name was T. Tricious Noble. And, you know, there have been a few other directors along the way. Um, but the one when I was there was Jerry Hancock, who mm-hmm. was there for um, over 30 years. And he sort of began that he started working there in the 70s when the program was not at its peak. It had had better days. And it was sort of just like in the middle of its uh, abilities, I would say. And he took it to new levels and um, the number of students increased. And um, it was, you know, one of one of its really great periods under his direction. And mm. uh, the choir is um, all boys that sing the soprano or treble part. And then there are um, the men of the choir, the altos, so countertenors, tenors, mm-hmm. and then basses that sing um, the lower parts in the choir. And they're all paid. And it's a pretty full-time job for them. And um, the, the choir provides music to the church from September through June. And then in the summer months, when the kids are on vacation and at home, um, they invite guest choirs or the men sing and they sort of have a different, diff- there's a different look to it. So. Mm. so the men that sing in the choir, that is like their full-time job is being a, a singer in the St. Thomas choir. For some of them, it can be, I'm sure others still, you know, gig around the city or singing, you know, who knows certain choruses or the Met or whatever. But um, w- one member of the choir who I was close, close with after I graduated for a long time, um, I knew it was one of his main sources of income. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's similar. Like, you know, my son Owen sings in the Philadelphia Boys Choir. And so it's similar for them that the boys sing, you know, soprano through alto. And then they have some teenagers now, Owen, you right. know, who are singing the lower parts, but then they have men um, who also sing as a part of, of it. But right. they're all, obviously, they're all volunteers yeah. um, in that choir as well. So um, so you would have been in fifth grade and your brother in fourth grade. So you went to New York city together. Right. And we both, yeah. <laughs> just to toot my own horn, <laughs> no, we both skipped a grade to go there for whatever reason. So I was nine and he was eight. Um, oh, wow. yeah. So we were, we were young and, um, it was nice to have a companion there, you know, <laughs> yeah. someone I knew. So you actually grew up in central Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right? Is, that, is that what Lancaster counts as or? Yeah, I guess. So. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. So you grew up in in Lancaster. (laughs) And so were you, the two of you singing a lot as children? Like, was this something that, you know, was part of your life? And then you were like, I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm going to New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My my mom is a big music lover. She was, uh, she played piano uh, for most of her younger life. And my dad grew up in a fairly musical family. So it was always important to us. We grew up in the church and um, we were in the little kids choir at the Episcopal church that I grew up attending. And um, as it happened, the the choir director at the church I grew up going to at Lancaster, St. James Episcopal Church, um, Frank McConnell, the director of music there, had many years before been an assistant organist at St. Thomas in New York City. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. So um, 
it was just kind of interesting how that happened. But um, yeah, we, we just grew up in the church and music was important. And, um, you know, when I look back at it now and in conversations I've had with my mom, now I know that I was a young gay child developing through mm-hmm. my life, but I, yeah. didn't know, I didn't know back then. And mm-hmm. um, I, I had friends, but I didn't feel I fit in. And mm-hmm. um, music brought me a lot of enjoyment. And then, um, you know, my mom knew of the church and the choir school and, you know, sort of thought, what the heck, let's give this a try. And, mm. you know, I got in, William got in, and my mom sort of says that my life sort of began when I was nine years old. I, I was finally happy and in a place that I felt like I belonged. Wow, that's really lovely. That's really wonderful. And did you, when you think about your life, do you think about that as well? Like that, you know, once you were able to, you know, once you moved to New York, that, that something changed for you? Yeah. I mean, I really just did love, you know, being in the church and singing and I took trumpet lessons and took piano lessons more seriously. And, uh, my final year there started tinkering around on the organ and, um, you know, it was just an amazing environment to be part of. And do you look now that you have children of your own, do you like wonder like how your mom was able to kind of let the two of you go? I do. Like, I can't imagine sending one or both of them off to a boarding school in five years. So right. um, <laughs> also, I think one thing I do remember there, you know, as a church musician myself, um, when we're not under a, <laughs> a, yeah. a quarantine and I actually go to church on Sunday mornings, um, you know, it's it would be hard for me to navigate visiting them on weekends. You know, my parents yeah. visit us every weekend. And, oh, really? Yeah, they, wow. they, they drove to church and um, we lived in New Hampshire at one point for a few years and they drove that distance to visit us every weekend and stayed in New York. And, um, you know, it was quite a thing. So um, as a church musician, uh, it wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be able to be involved in that way. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But at this point, um, <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not quite keen on um, giving my son the same kind of opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. So does it, do you, like, did you and your brother, like, would they let you all kind of out in the city? Like, were were you there kind of, did you feel like you were living in New York City as a child? Yeah, you know, if, so I I guess, you know, our parents didn't visit quite every weekend, just most of them, but if they didn't, for kids that were sort of, you know, (laughs) without visitors on weekends, um, Mm -hmm. they would have us um, do activities around the city. And, you know, I remember celebrating a Chinese New Year in Chinatown with one, um, students family who was they were from China and they gave us this wonderful introduction to the Chinese New Year and that culture um I was fortunate to go to the top of the Twin Towers the observation Mm. floor um before 9-11 and Mm. you know just do sort of a bunch of amazing you know wonderful things around New York the the building that the kids lived in is you know its backyard is really Central Park and we spent a lot of time there um, so it was, it was pretty, an, an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how did that, like, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, being in the choir school, you know, gave you the opportunity to develop sort of as a musician. So did you, I guess I don't know this about you, like that you made that transition then into starting to do the organ sort of you, from that work? Right. Yeah. So I took, you know, I, I had played piano before I went away to the school, but just not as seriously. And then mm-hmm. when you're at the school, we all had to take a, another instrument. 
and I first did trumpet sort of because I wasn't too into piano mm-hmm. and did okay on trumpet. But then I sort of saw my some friends practicing piano and I'm, I missed it a lot. So I got back into the piano and then my final year um, was able to explore the organ a bit just on my own. Um, there wasn't really anyone that, inst- there were people that could have instructed organ, but it was mm-hmm. just the way it was sort of not easy to make that happen. Um, so I sort of began some studies on my own before I then went off to um, a boarding arts high school where I was able to really dive into organ studies completely. And also just happenstance, my organ instructor at that school um, had been the assistant, one of the assistant organists at St. Thomas for my um, three of my four years. And then when when I graduated, he also left the choir, left St. Thomas and began teaching organ at Interlochen Arts Academy where I went to high school. So like we joked that Mr. Barra graduated with me and we like, we went to, you know, (laughs) we both went off to Michigan to, um, and he was my organ instructor and I was there for boarding school. And his, he also married um, the woman who had been my math teacher at the choir school. So she, you know, they got married that summer and moved to Michigan. So when I went off to my boarding arts high school, I also had some familiar faces, which was, <laughs> again, yeah. a, a nice, a nice touch. Well, I would assume the organ world is a little small. Yeah. Yeah. It's a safe, safe <laughs> assumption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right. You don't have, I mean, that's one of the struggles, right? That there are not a lot of young people that are going into organ right, these days. Yeah. To be able to do, to sort of carry on this legacy of, of organ playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's it, I mean, I'm sure you're missing um, being here and being, you know, with the organ that's, um, but you all have an organ in your home. Is that right? Yeah, we have a, we're lucky to have a two manual electronic organ. It's, you know, it's not, <laughs> Right. I, I yearn to play a real organ every time I'm on it, but of course it's, it's a nice thing to have at home. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to do that. Yeah. So has this given you the opportunity to do more um, music education with the twins now that you're at home? Are you, I know you shared a little bit about this in um, one of the um, e-news columns about sort of doing music together with them, but what's that um, been like? Yeah, I guess it's kind of, it's just been wild this time. I can't tell if they really have, or if it's just me being home with them a lot more, but they just seem like they've really grown up and become more interested in music really quickly. And um it's been great singing with them and they're picking up things differently and responding to it. And, you know, it's, it's a joy to see that and be able to experience it with them now. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, similar to, you know, a lot of, of things in our lives, like, you know, how children develop in their homes, you know, surrounded by music, but then also in church surrounded by music, you know, that's how I, became, you know, a musician, you know, know, I did music classes at school or whatever, but it was being able to sing um, at church and being in a church choir and that kind of um, environment, you know, it was the, it was in the church and, you know, and then my parents nurturing that at home that made me sort of um, feel like I was a, a musician because I had that sort of community. Yeah. That in. It's an yeah. important thing. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's familiar to a lot of people, but then I feel like there's a big group of parents these days that maybe didn't experience it and they're uncomfortable, you know, singing to their children or um, not aware of their musical abilities. And 
uh, I'm just happy to be able to, um, you know, give my kids that skill, I suppose, that I can pass it on confidently to them. And, you know, they'll, they'll do what they wish with it. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, all, as, as we all do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm interested to know, like, having been in such an intensive choir as a child and as a, um, a teenager, like, how does that, you know, when you sit down with our kids here at the church or with the youth corral, do you see, um, I know that you, I'm sure, are a much more diligent uh, musician and <laughs> professional as a child. Um, when Owen talks about being in the boys' choir, especially when he was younger and was in the Philly Boys' Choir, he would say, well, you know, we're a professional choir, so I have to perform as a professional singer. <laughs> I'm not sure he brings that same attitude to his singing at the church. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's it's kind of funny. I I feel like, um, you know, within months of being at the choir school, um, we sang at Carnegie Hall for, um, Mm. we were like the treble chorus in Mendelssohn's Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm. And then, you know, uh, you know, we sang um, three services every Sunday and then, four weekday services it was intense and but and schoolwork was very taken very seriously you know we I, I learned latin and french and math and history and all the standard you know subjects but um you know we had choir rehearsal every day for at least 90 minutes to two hours and um you know it was it was different and that can't be replicated in groups that sing once a month and rehearse you know four evenings a month during the school year. <laughs> so um it's not my intention to replicate that but it's my hope to bring my passion for it and my background to try and give them any type of experience that is the equivalent of my experiences in this environment and um you know I I enjoy the youngest kids because they're just learning about music for the first time and then the children's choir Um, you know, they're using folders and wearing robes and, uh, you know, becoming more visible in worship and leading worship. And then the youth choir, you know, leads some of their own services and they're the musicians for certain services throughout the year. So I still feel like the children at Bryn Mawr get to develop as choir singers and um, grow in their leadership roles as musicians. And I also know that many of them uh, benefit from lessons and other choral experiences and instruments outside of the church. And mm-hmm. I have to remind myself that um, while the church is where I make music with them, it's also good that they're making music anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to know that the church, I think this is the other thing about the church, right? That, um, and especially the way that you and then, you know, with you and, and Rachel, you know, with Wednesdays together, um, where the kids come for worship education and uh, choir, you know, that it's really about saying, you know, all of the children of this community are welcome to make a joyful noise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, some of their noises are more joyful than others, yeah. Um, yeah. but to be able to have a space, and this is what church should be in all aspects of our life, to be able to say, you know, this is a space where we, the most important thing is about being together and talking about why we do what we do rather than, 
you know, saying only the most excellent can be a part of this, or you have to be perfect um, to be um, able to lead the people of God in worship. You know, this is about being a community together. And Uh, I think, um, I I don't remember who it is, but I I was at a conference one time and someone, a colleague of mine said something about, you know, there are two types of choirs, like auditioned choirs. And then there's like, y'all come sing choir. mm -hmm. And I love a good y'all come sing choir, you know, just everyone can come together and um, you know, it's about being together and making music and, you know, a break from what else is going on in their world mm-hmm. at that given moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the the work that both of you do, you know, means that our children and our youth, most of them are actually much more comfortable in worship leadership in our congregation than a lot of the adults are. Right. <laughs> right. And in, and in, in kind of in funny ways, they they also get some wonderful opportunities to do it, which is such mm-hmm. a such a special thing. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's they're fearless in a lot of ways that I really um love. You know that yeah. that they're willing to stand up and and do that kind of thing. And so, yeah. Well, we um certainly miss um hearing the organ and being together and being able to make a joyful noise. Um, even as adults here together, yeah. I guess. Um, how are you feeling about sort of the things that are being said, you know, about what congregational singing is going to look like over the next uh, months as we're able to come back together? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's hard not to be sad about it. Um, but, you know, I think we've been showing we, we're doing what we can and mm-hmm. we'll continue to learn how to make it, you know, as good as can be and sort of almost communal while we have to. And it's a big learning experience. But, um, you know, I guess my hope is that once we're past all of this and things are singing is safe and being together in larger groups and um, in community that people maybe will realize, you know, or remember maybe how much they loved all of this and they'll be so glad to have it back in their lives. And schedules are just wild these days and who knows maybe people will say oh you know i've always wanted to be in choir and mm-hmm. i couldn't for this period maybe i'll try it again or you know we'll just yeah. i think i it's my hope that people will just continue to have the passion for the arts that they had before <laughs> we weren't able to oh, yeah. be doing all of this yeah. yeah well i think sure for sure in this moment that people are really grieving that you know grieving you know what it means to not not just to not be together, but to not be able to, um, you know, go to other performances or, you know, experience some of the things that give us the most comfort, um, so sort of beautiful things that um, are how we kind of um, sort of bring joy into our lives, you know, and to have some of those things missing yeah. um, is is hard. The We're loss. doing, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I know that um, people have appreciated um, some of the stuff that you all have done and will be doing on Facebook Live as a way to um, sort of bring people into our spaces virtually and right. to remind them of the beauty of, of the organ and, and of that music um, there together. So we really appreciate um, being able to do that. And and I'm interested to see how, like you said, how this will kind of bring us out the other side and um, that we might be better and different as a community together and especially around music. 
Well, it's good to be in conversation with you and we miss you and we look forward to being together again. Thanks so much. It was great to chat with you today. Great. Thanks.